Alright then, welcome back to the U.S. Soccer Rundown. I'm your host, Blake Shelton, and it is Sunday, August 20th, 2017. Uh, The rest of the entire world is watching Game of Thrones tonight, and so uh, I figured it'd be a good time to go ahead and drop in a new episode of the U.S. Soccer Rundown, give everybody a quick recap on what's been going on in the last week or so uh, within the U.S. soccer world. So... It's been a relatively quiet week, actually. A lot of the European leagues are either just getting started back up or had their first week this week, and uh, the transfer rumors have cooled down a little, at least in terms of Americans abroad. Uh, MLS transfer window has already ended, so those guys are just going through the status quo right now. Um, But that being said, still felt like there was enough to talk about as we get closer to the Labor Day weekend World Cup qualifiers. So with that being said, let's jump in and learn about what's been new with the U.S. soccer team. So by far the biggest bit of news out of the U.S. soccer camp this week was the injury suffered by John Brooks. John Brooks, uh, American hero, game-winning goal against Ghana in the 2014 World Cup, is a 24-year-old center back playing for Wolfsburg in Germany. Um, And he actually just came down with a, a... pulled tendon in his thigh in the first match of the season, maybe about 30 minutes in. So he came off. We knew he was injured uh, maybe last weekend, but the official diagnosis came out this week that it's actually pulled tendons in his thighs and it's going to cost him the next three months. Um, Big news for John Brooks on many uh, fronts there. We'll first take a look at the U.S. national team's perspective. So um, John Brooks misses three months which means he's unavailable for selection for the rest of the world cup qualifying cycle so there's two matches over labor day weekend and then there's another two um, in the first week end of october and those four matches are uh, going to determine whether or not the usa is going to russia and, and the u.s men's national team is going to have to do it a man down luckily if we're looking for silver lining, what that means is one of the most interesting, at least in my opinion, battles for a World Cup roster spot uh, has two critical slates of matches um, really for a, a preferred backup for him to establish themselves. Um, currently, right now, most folks expect that job to be either Matt Beasler's. Uh, Matt Beasler plays in the MLS and represented the U.S. in the 2014 World Cup. Or Tim Ream. Tim Ream we talked about in the second episode. He's a 29-year-old center back playing in the championship over in England for Fulham. Um, and he's in, been in really great form lately. He was named to um, the, the championship team of the week in the first week of the season. And he's been playing really well throughout the summer um, in their preseason tour as well. So uh, for me personally, because Matt Beasler just got a full gold cup right in front of Bruce Arena... Um, I'm expecting Tim Ream to get the start just so he can get a couple uh, opportunities for Bruce Arena to see him over these next couple weeks uh, and really make his case, especially with him being in good form and the U.S. now having to find a solution to slide in at left center back uh, now that John Brooks is out. So 
Uh, John Brooks's injury gives us a really big spotlight on um, the Matt Beasler Tim Ream battle for the backup spot in Russia 2018, and it also makes qualification, which is not yet sealed up, that much harder. Additionally, for John Brooks, this move is extra difficult for him because he just made a transfer over to Wolfsburg from Hertha Berlin, his boyhood club, um, this summer, and this was really one of the first competitive matches he had represented them in, and he gets injured. He broke the transfer record fee for an American player, so there was a lot of a lot of pressure for him to do well for Wolfsburg. They had a tough season last year, um, and and really brought him in as reinforcement to make sure they weren't in another rele- relegation battle. So John Brooks getting injured hurts them, and also they're going to have to find a, another center back for the first three months. And because he was new, he definitely hadn't established himself. Um, as that as that first choice left center back, even though they brought him in to be, he still hasn't had a chance to to confirm that that's the right move for them. So I'm really hoping that nobody uh, uh, pushes him out of the team place in, in the three months that he's injured because if he's not playing regularly for his club heading into a World Cup year after coming off of an injury, um, he's still too good not to bring to the World Cup. But he's he's certainly going to be rusty if he's not playing regularly over these next nine months before um, the final roster is selected. So for John Brooks' sake, I'm hoping nobody really does too terribly well in his spot at Wolfsburg. And he can come back uh, in his three months and, and slide right back in there and have some great form heading into the, the summer. Staying on the general topic of the U.S. men's national team back line, for these next slate of World Cup qualifiers over Labor Day weekend. Uh, There was a couple general tidbits that I wanted to discuss as we try and figure out what that lineup's going to look like. Um, So DeAndre Yedlin, um, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but he's been injured um, for the past couple of weeks. He's missed the first two matches for his club, Newcastle, in the Premier League. They've actually lost both, so I'm sure they're excited to start getting him back. Um, but the news out of that camp there is that Yedlin returned to training this week. So hopefully he'll be ready in time for the World Cup qualifiers coming up. But there's no guarantee. And that means if he's not ready to go, uh, then we're going to have a similar situation to the Matt Beasler tim Ream spotlight for the backup left center back spot. We'd also have a spotlight on DeAndre Yedlin's backup Um probably between Graham Zuzi, Eric Lehigh, and Timmy Chandler there. Uh, we've talked about all three of those guys pretty extensively over the, the course of this podcast, so you should be familiar with all of them. But ultimately, if if DeAndre Yedlin isn't able to go, then we're going to have to pick between one of those three guys. For my money, I want to see Timmy Chandler. Uh, Eric Lehigh and Graham Zuzi both got their shots over the Gold Cup. Neither of them was phenomenal neither of them put a stamp on the backup job Um, and Timmy Chandler is probably the best player on paper out of that threesome there Um, he never was really able to put it all together under Jurgen Klinsmann but uh, he hasn't played yet under Bruce Arena and now would be a fantastic time to call him in see if he can um, if he can get it to to all click for Chandler and make him into something special for the national team Uh, He still is my preferred option to bring as a backup, assuming um, we get to see him and he plays well. But to do that, we have to see him play. And I'm hoping that's what Bruce Arena decides to do in these next slate of matches if DeAndre Yedlin isn't able to play. 
Another interesting tidbit in relation to the U.S. national team defense, Omar Gonzalez, who is is the clear favorite to be the backup at right center back behind Jeff Cameron. He's been injured as well over the past couple of weeks, hasn't been able to play for his club team in Mexico. Um, So if he's unable to go and he's unable to come in as the backup spot for Jeff Cameron, um, there's going to be another opening and another opportunity for somebody to come into that camp and try and push him out of that spot. Uh, the names we're seeing thrown around for that are Matt Miazga, um, Matt Hedges, who did have a pretty poor Gold Cup, so I would think that Miazga scoring a goal um, and generally playing okay might get him the nod there. There's guys like Steve Birnbaum, who hasn't really featured much under Bruce Arena, but was a Jurgen Klinsmann favorite. Um, and then, you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers probably not getting called in, but a name that a lot of people want to see. Um, there is a lot of depth there. Um, a lot of bodies, at least not anybody who's really proven themselves on the international stage yet. But another interesting to keep in mind, if Omar Gonzalez is unable to be called in, then there's going to be a handful of guys trying to get themselves um, up on that pecking order to, to try and slide in behind Jeff Cameron, um, should some sort of injury similar to this happen in the actual World Cup. So with all the shuffling around likely to be taking place in the U.S. men's national team lately, it's funny to think about over the past three or four months at least, everybody and their brother, assuming health, knew it was going to be John Brooks, Jeff Cameron, and DeAndre Yedlin uh, as the three, and we're just trying to find that left-back spot um, for for our preferred four-man back line heading into Russia. And, and funnily enough, now it seems like the left-back spot with Jorge Villafania having a good start to his international career under Bruce Arena seems to have that locked down at least um, at least currently. So um, all, all the consistency in the back line kind of blowing up in our face right before a slate of really critical matches. So um, I'm hoping that you know the little bit of depth that we've been able to establish at central defense, and then you know having not had DeAndre Yedlin over the Gold Cup has at least allowed us to, to find some good options there. Um, and allow guys to, to make their case, but also ensure that we win, get the results we need over the Labor Day weekend and, and ensure that we have a Russia um, 2018 bid to, to have all this analysis about. The only other news-related piece that I definitely wanted to make sure we addressed is regarding Julian Green. Julian Green was once the great hope for the U.S. national team, called in as an 18-year-old to the 2014 World Cup, um, scores a goal. A lot of folks did think that call up was um, Jurgen Klinsmann's way of getting him to choose the U.S. over Germany. But anyways, he's called in. He scores a goal. All is well. We're going to be great whenever he's hitting his prime. Fast forward three years now. Julian Green spent the majority of the past two and a half years trying and trying to actually get some game time with Bayern Munich, which most of you will know is absolutely the biggest club in Germany. Um, more of a badge of honor to say he was on the roster than actually play for those guys. He was he was out of his depths in terms of the talent that was on that roster. And so I think he just liked the idea of posting pictures with, with some of the most famous and popular players in the world at training. Finally was sold to Stuttgart um, in January and has really never been able to catch on with them either. And report coming out of Germany this week is that they're ready to end the Julian Green experience over there at Stuttgart as well, um, making him for sale. So uh, definite cross. 
crossroads in Julian Green's career right now. He's never done really much of consequence whatsoever with the U.S. national team since scoring that goal against Belgium in the World Cup. And um, if he wants to continue to be an international player, he definitely and desperately needs to find some minutes somewhere. And it doesn't sound like that's going to be at Stuttgart. So hoping for his sake that he can find a move um, or either, you know, put his head down and work and catch on and get some minutes here heading into the season. But um, train is definitely off the tracks for Julian Green. Luckily for him, he is still relatively young in the soccer world, 22 years old, and, and has time to turn it around. So I'm hoping that he does because um, we could we could use a clever, creative attacking player that he was um, expected to be three years ago. So that does it for the news section here. Um, really the only other thing that I wanted to talk about from this week in U.S. soccer was uh, more of an update than anything. Pulisic alert. Pulisic alert. Pulisic alert. Christian Pulisic got loose this weekend for a goal and an assist against a John Brooksless uh, Wolfsburg team to start out the um, the Bundesliga season on a high note. So um, Christian Pulisic almost certainly cements himself as the world's greatest player with this performance. Um, with Cristiano Ronaldo dealing with a five-game suspension right now, it's really not much of a competition. But um, I wonder, what do they say? It's a, a unstoppable force versus an immovable object. I have to imagine what that game would have looked like if John Brooks was was healthy enough to play. So Christian Pulisic, our, our Lord and Savior, continues to do great things. And I've got him. I'm excited to have that kid. Anyways, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the U.S. Soccer Rundown. As always, feel free to reach out to me on email, ussoccerrundown at gmail.com, Twitter at ussoccerrundown, or if you're one of the very few who are lucky enough to have my phone number, I will accept text message communication in regards to the show. Otherwise, probably Twitter's the best place to get at me. All right, thanks again for listening, guys. All the best. God bless Christian Pulisic.